Hello and welcome back to the Go For Two podcast and welcome back to our week three review. I'm Liam, your host, and as always, I'm joined by my 3-0 and co-host, Patrick. Patrick, mate, how are you doing after a, uh, a cheeky Monday Night Football win? Did you stay up? I assume you didn't. I did, no. I actually tweeted that last night. I fancied it because Eagles had not played the previous weekend because it was on Thursday Night Football. So I was like, you know what, it's been too long, so I'm going to watch this game live. Yeah, it was worth staying up for in the end. It, Eagles left a lot of points on the board and looked... Better this week, I would say, overall than they had in the previous week. So quite pleased with that. And how was the uh, tiredness levels this morning? All right. Do you know what? It was okay because when you win, it's okay. When you lose, <laughs> you're absolutely shattered. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you lose at the end of a game, or it's your like your team do something stupid. It's an absolute brutal, brutal morning. Either Friday night, Friday morning, or Tuesday mornings can always be. Nightmare, or even Monday mornings after Sunday night football. If your team's lost and it's their fault, or they miss a field goal, you're just there like, oh my god, I feel twice as tired. Just come twice, <laughs> twice as annoyed. But that's uh, UK football fans for us, isn't it? Um, like I said, we're here for a review. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the surprising. Um, however, we always end with a speed round as well, and I feel like we've kind of started to touch on one of those games. Let's cover the two Monday night games very quickly to start, and then we'll move on to our category. So, like you said, Eagles played better, had a win. 25-11 um, was the score. I think the spread was like four and a half or five. Um, and by the way, on the spreads, we tied. So we finished 8-8 eight, eight this week, um, so which means you are winning for the season 19-18. Uh, we did both pick the Eagles. Um, pretty comfortable. Jane Hurts looked better at times. We spoke about it off air. That he had a couple of really nice throws. Um, did throw two interceptions, though, uh, and missed a couple of key third down plays. But I'd say overall, the offense looked better. Uh, and I think it's going to look better when you've got DeAndre Swift running for 130 yards off uh, 16 carries, mate. Oh, it looks a good trade. That looks an exceptional trade at the moment. He looks absolutely electric, to be honest, behind that line. So, yeah, that's really pleasing. So, uh, and Hurts' second uh, interception played really well. That gained us two points in the end because he got intercepted at the one. And then the subsequent drive, we... Put safety on the books on the Rashad White, I think it was, and then they punted to us, and that was it. Basically, game over. So that kind of worked in the end. But yeah, much, much more pleasing for from the Eagles' point of view. It wasn't per- nowhere near perfect on offense. I think still coordinate uh, Brian Johnson and just the, just the play call and just getting all the weapons involved seems to be hard. It's either AJ Brown or Devonta Smith at the moment, not both. So yeah. that'll. That'll work itself out as the season goes on. But to, to be sat at 3-0 and and to not be sure how well you've played is a, <laughs> is a good thing for the team. Definitely, yeah. I did listen to something good on a pod the other day actually saying that uh, AJ Brown and Devontae Smith are both top five in air yards per target. So, like, it's a lot of deep throws, which obviously, if you're having some drives that are stalling, the wide receivers are kind of just sprinting down the field and then nothing's happening. And it's like, can uh, the new OC get them a bit more involved underneath short passes, slants, screens, all that sort of stuff. So I think that, like you said, that's something they can work on. Um, and the bye week is towards the middle of the season as well. So um, we'll see how, how quick it takes. But yeah, it's good to be 3-0. I think there's only three 3-0 three teams, aren't there? So, um, there is, yeah, yeah. Same same as last year, Eagles-Dolphins is 3-0 and, and obviously the 49ers. Yeah, so yeah, it looks good. Um, defense looks good, though. Jalen Carter was immense. He leads the NFL for pressures, by the way, for uh, <laughs> defensive tackles. Uh, He's playing less than 50% of the snaps as well, so it's 
Yeah, it's annoying that he fell. It is very annoying. <laughs> um, I would have traded up. Um, other game then. I don't know. If this is probably this probably was more exciting, but I wouldn't say it was a better quality game. So, Bengals win nineteen sixteen. Joe Burrow did play with the calf. And then you saw this. He actually had an ice pack and a heat pack mix and match on both calves, which I didn't realize until I saw a video and I was like, oh yeah, the calf he's actually got strapped up is not the calf he's got the <laughs> the heat pack on and the ice pack during the game. So I don't know if he's banged up on both legs, but yeah, offense still wasn't great. Um, a couple of key penalties, a couple of nice throws to 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 Jamar um, to keep the Bengals going, but overall the offense still didn't look good. It wasn't efficient. I finished with 260 yards, no touchdowns, one interception for Burrow. A um, couple of really good field goals from from Evan McPherson, but I think for me it's more 26 of 49. Like just was not an efficient passing game. So yeah, still doesn't look right. But like he said after the game, it was more risky for him to to go 0 and 3. Um, Rams defense looked okay. Um, I think Aaron Donald was pretty good, but the the corners weren't great. Um, however, after praising how well he's played. And I would say he had some sick throws in this game. Very Matt Stafford-esque throws. I would say that some of the passes were were bad on him. He had one really bad miss. He had two near interceptions and he had two actual interceptions. So I would say maybe last night he tipped over the edge, mate, of like Matt Stafford's playing great, does it all, to Matt Stafford's doing it all, making some great throws, but he's teetered over the line and started doing some some bad throws for me last night. Yeah, yeah, they were incredibly inefficient as well. Third downs, one for 11. So you're not going to not going to get anywhere playing like that. Oh, yeah, this is the bad version of Matt Stafford that has been around for. Then I feel like that comes then the imbalance in the run game didn't get going this week. I know it's they've not been breaking big runs at all, but you know, Kyron Williams has been much more efficient than he was last night. And yeah, just all around a bit of a, a bit of a downer on kind of the Rams last night. Obviously, this sat one and two losing record, but, you know, the way that they've played this season has been far above. But last night, yeah, the defence did did okay against the Bengals. I mean, Chase had his best game by far, didn't he? They really couldn't get a, get a hold of um, Jamar Chase, really, last night. So, yeah, it's a bit of a shame for the Rams. I feel like this game was there to be taken, to be honest, with Burrow looking the way he does. He doesn't look right. Obviously, the calf's hurting. Whether dropping back 49 times is the best strategy, that's not for me to say. <laughs> but <laughs> you've got a bad calf. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, no other running back. I mean, Mixon had 19 carries, but apart from that, um, he's back up Travion Williams and he had one carry. And I just, I don't know, the, just the offense just doesn't feel right to me. When I think about like the Eagles who are playing at the same time, just, just the amount of weapons that they can dispose of in that. It just feels like the Bengals are like the absolute opposite and just are relying on Burrow to chase. And when that's not working as a whole this season, yeah, it's, it's not not quite sure what to make of the Bengals at the moment. I think they're really going to need to hang in there record-wise while Burrow gains his health. Yeah, I agree. Defence looked really good last night as well. Trey Hendrickson, DJ Reader. <laughs> And Dax Hill, actually, second-year player, replacing Jesse Bates. It was really, really good. So, um, yeah, defense looked good, but offense just, yeah. It's not just the calf, like you said. It's the actual structure. The offense does seem a bit strange this this year. Um, and the offensive line doesn't look great <laughs> either, which is yeah. the same as every other year. But, like, they, they thought maybe this year might fix it. So, um, we'll see. Uh, obviously, Lyle Collins, we didn't speak about it, but they released him as well. So, he's he's off the... 
he's off the roster. Um, and Joe Mixon had a really nice run as well for the touchdown, and then like still barely got involved. Um, and I think some of that is on him. Maybe he hasn't got the best vision, and maybe it's a bit kind of all or nothing for him. But um, yeah, they don't block up the runs very well. So yeah, definitely some some ways to improve. Um, one final thing on the Bengals, and then I've got an end point for the Rams. For the Bengals, they've got Titans, Cardinals, and Seahawks next before they play 49ers and Bills. What record do they need after those games? So they'd have played six games at that point. Do they need three and three? So they need to win two, go two and one against Titans, Cardinals, and Seahawks? Uh, for me, yeah, I mean, it's tough, isn't it? Because obviously you, you, you want to be getting the one seed. So, you know, you look at Tennessee, what they did at the weekend, and you're thinking you've got to go there and, and win this game. And the Cardinals, I mean, we'll speak about those. But, mate, you got to go two and one as a absolute minimum, I think. Yeah. Would you not you're say that? thinking I'm three thinking, and oh, maybe. Yeah, I'm thinking three Ooh. and oh, because the games that come after that, obviously, 49ers, Bills, is. You know, they're toss-up games. If you can get out of that with a 500 record, those two games, that's amazing. But, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking you've got to go 3-0 and at this point. If you really want to go for the still go for the one seed, which, of course, at this stage of the season, is still, you can rip off 12 wins in a row. Any any team with elite talent can do. But, yeah, you've you got to start here and, uh, and push forward for me or... Three losses in the first kind of five, five, six weeks. You can you can forget the one seed, I think, and then and then for me that's uh, then you're in trouble. I, I think I feel like the Bengals need that in the playoffs, to be honest. Yeah, I wouldn't. I know the Titans didn't play well this week. We'll talk about them, but um, that defensive line is not one I'd want to face um, <laughs> with a dodgy calf. Because regardless of how bad the offense looks and how bad the secondary looked this weekend, that front four really gets after the quarterback and that was the game where Joe Burrow had like crazy amounts of sacks in the playoffs wasn't it that they still managed to somehow win um so yeah that is not the team I'd want to play and that's only on six days rest but if they go two and two going into a Cardinals Seahawks game one Cardinals on the road Seahawks at home then they'll be happy so yeah we'll see but they're very glad they didn't go 0-3 a final point on the Rams still McVay does some crazy stuff to me six minutes to go he's down 10 and he punts. And I, and I four from five from his own 35. I'm like, I know you're on your own 35 there, but you've got one time out. Six minutes left. How are you going to punt and score 10 points? Or whatever it was at the time, which I know they didn't do in the end. And, I, and that was only to tie the game, a touchdown and a, a field goal. So he, I still don't understand why he does that. He also took two penalties. Uh, sorry, two timeouts that he wasted was for delay of games. However, on the snap after... They threw an interception and I had a sack on both those timeouts. So you may as well just taken the five-yard penalty and not wasted your timeouts. They could have done with those those kind of 90 seconds. Um, and he also had three runs of third and 15 where he ran it. So like he was so worried about the pass game, he ran it on three and fifth, third and 15. The max yards they got was five. So there's some strange decisions there. That's very McVeigh. Um, but yeah, anything to say on uh, Shawnee Boy before we move on? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I mean, what can you say in in a positive reply to to those things? I mean, he wasn't the only one out west that had some dodgy <laughs> decisions this week, NFC or AFC. So uh, true, yeah. true, very true. Cool. Um, on to our categories then: good, bad, and the surprising. Uh, kick us off, mate. Go whichever way you want to go. I have to start with um, bad. 
<laughs> Most people, I think, would have gone good for this, given given the I fact agree. given the fact that seventy points are on the board. But I actually disagree wholeheartedly, and this firmly: the Denver Broncos deserve to live in this bad section. I take nothing away from the Dolphins. You have to put the points up. I wouldn't be expecting them to get anywhere near that for the rest of the season, obviously. But the Broncos are an absolute disgrace. I saw that they had more missed tackles in this game than some teams do all season already. And just absolutely ridiculous defence. The likes of the effort was just... You're watching this back on Red Zone, obviously, because it shows you, even if you weren't watching the whole game, you see you see 10 instances of a touchdown. And just the tackling was an effort was just a disgrace. I honestly can't believe we're at... Well, we're at 5pm now, UK time on a Tuesday, talking about this, and Vance Joseph still has a job. Because <laughs> I just Sean Payton, what is he going to do if he's not going to fire somebody? How, how on earth do you fire the team up without without consequences to, to lack of effort and just poor structure like that? I mean, on the I think it was the first touchdown where Tyreek Hill is just stood in the middle of the field. Wide open. It's like, how does that even happen? It wasn't even like, you know, if he speeds away from you, you can say, hold your hands up and say, do you know what? He's the fastest out there. But he was just walking around in the middle of the field, caught the ball and ran into the end zone. I was like, this is absolute. And that was the first quarter. It was when it was <laughs> zero, 0 So it was like, okay. uh, the offense is not good, but, you know, just the pathetic effort on defense, I think is just, I mean, that. Uh, I tweeted out, I just can't believe that this is what Sean Payton thinking it was come back for. God, I'd love to know his true thoughts kind of on on this shellacking as it was going on. But yeah, just a disgrace really to be beaten like that in the NFL. Yeah, obviously three points off a record, like you said. Uh, incredible performance to an extent from the Dolphins. They had to take the yards, make the throws, make the runs, make the blocks that were there to be made. But yeah, I would agree that a lot of that is uh, an effort thing. Some of the I won't go into it because we'll be here all day, but some of the fantasy and advanced metric stats. Like this is basically, after three weeks, the greatest offense in NFL history, which I am very biased. Come on now, let's have a look. That, this ain't the best offense ever, is yeah. it? That's, just, that's, 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 that's what I'm hoping it isn't. But in terms of fantasy football, I think Devon Chain and Raheem Mostert like, combined just for one game for more than most running backs will in this season. Uh, I think Devon Chain had like 51 points if you were playing half uh, PPR and I think most of it was 41.5 so crazy crazy day uh, they finished with like 290 yards combined rushing which is impressive and two of finishes 309 for four TD so yeah um, they did it but I agree with you I, the, if I'd say was it more good or bad I would just, I, I'm completely on the bad and I actually don't think Russell Wilson played that bad like he scored 20 points against this defense had to throw it quite a bit because they were losing so badly so couldn't really establish the run game. On a good day, maybe they would have got to 23, 27 points. That should be enough to keep you in a game against most teams. Um, but your defence plays like that. It's crazy. Did you see the press conference after as well when uh, how annoyed <laughs> Sean Payton was getting? I was just thinking, like, you need to pass some of this energy onto the team because he was fuming with reporters. And I was thinking, I know, but this this defence, mate, and special teams as well wasn't great giving up loads of yards. I just thought it looked completely unorganised. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what a decision it looks like for the Broncos to give up the draft pick, and from his decision to come back when 
obviously the franchise in a, a state of disarray because I mean they've been they've been bad through two weeks, but to to get beat like this is yeah it's absolutely dreadful. Like I said, Ross was actually okay. This is probably as it stands, really the best kind of efficiency that you can get out of the offence as it stands now without Wilson at this stage of his career. You know, 38 attempts, 206 yards, only one interception to go and one touchdown. The three top receivers, Sutton, Judy and Mims, all have decent decent stats on the week, but uh, this ain't on them. This is just on the defence. I mean, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You can't put any blame on Russ for this, even though everyone does like to... Uh... To take the mick out of him. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just not. 726 total yards to 363. That's what the game ended in. Uh, crazy. And we get the uh, the bowl of the bad this weekend with uh, Denver versus Chicago. Uh, if they go 0-4 and lose to the Bears, I honestly think he could just walk. It could get to that point. I know he's got a lot of pride, so he probably want to turn it around. But this is a team that's built on the defense. So if they'd have lost this game by Russ throwing four picks, I'd have said... Look, change the QB regardless of who it is. It's time to move on. Bit of a rebuild. Next year, go again. But when it's the defense and special teams letting you down more in this game than the offense, I just think the overall picture looks pretty bad for the franchise. So, yeah, we'll see. But great win. The Dolphins 3-0. Denver 0-3. And they desperately, it sounds weird, but they desperately need to win in week four. Desperately. Um, I'll stick on the bad train, because why not, whilst we're being negative. Um, I have decided to talk about a team close to my heart from last season, which is Minnesota Vikings. They were 11-0 in one-score games last year. They are now 0-3. So the regression has truly hit. But I wanted to mention them more because, A, can we please stop fumbling? They got more fumbles, even if they've recovered them, through three games than any NFL team in the last 40 years. Every time someone's running, snapping, or catching, and if it's not Justin Jefferson or TJ Hawkinson, I'm like, this could easily be a fumble. Um, I know Kirk Cousins' stats look good, 32 of 50, which is nuts, 50 dropbacks, 363 yards, three TDs. Madison actually had a good running day from his standards, 93 yards off 20 carries, but they're in the bad for me because of how they managed the end of the game. They got lucky by the Chargers doing an awful play on fourth and <laughs> one. I I don't love the fact they went for it to an extent, but if I was a chief, if that was against the Chiefs, I would want the Chargers to go for it because I'd be like, there's a chance they won't get this and we can win the game. So I understand why, like why they did what they did. Not that I would have done it, but I understand. But if they lose that, Staley probably gets fired. However, the Vikings then come back in. They have a bad handoff where they run like an RPO and they run it, which wastes 30 seconds. They get a completion on fourth and five, which was a hell of a completion, actually. Uh, and then they there's like, like 50 seconds left. They take like 40 seconds and snap the ball at 18 seconds to go. And Kirk Cousins throws a pick in the end zone to, to lose the game. And I just think, after you've been given the lifeline to get the ball back at their 25 from a fourth down call from Staley, the fact you don't go on to at least have four shots of the end zone, maybe you don't get the touchdown, you lose. But to have a clock management issue twice and then lose on an interception, I just think is absolutely diabolical. I don't know if you've seen the explanations, but apparently they wanted to go quick to confuse the Chargers. However, when they started relaying the play call, Kurt Cousins couldn't hear anything because the whole stadium was cheering. So he had to make his own play up, which wasted another 20-odd <laughs> seconds, and they just called it, and then he threw a frigging interception <laughs> in the end zone. So, uh, yeah, both teams deserve their negatives. For this game, mate. But yeah, I put the Vikings in just because that end of the game sequence, the way they started, which was bad, they had a chance to win this game and they just completely peed down their own leg at the end of it. 
No, they did. I mean, let's be honest. It, it did live up to the billing that kind of it we did. gave it, and, and everything, didn't it? Didn't it for for actual quality of play at some times and just the drama at the end? You, you expected someone was going to lose it more than someone was going to win it. I think at the end, you know, these two teams kind of the way that they are and the way that they actually do lose games. So that did that did come to fruition. And uh, I mean, you got to stop. I mean, 50, 50 dropbacks, mate, is just absolutely insane, is it? Some of it's very efficient between kind of between the twenties, isn't it? But then it wasn't so much when it got to the red zone where it kind of tightens up. But I think if we flip over it and talk about a bit of good for a second, mate, Justin Herbert, some of these throws were the best yeah. I've ever seen. Some of them were the best I've ever seen. Forty or forty-seven, and some of them were absolutely incredible throws that couldn't have even have been one millimetre off, could they? To some of them, to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams were unbelievable. Oh, yeah. I think Keenan Allen, I'm trying to look now, uh, as I close my screen, he had um, 18, 18 receptions for 215 yards, and he threw a touchdown as well. He did, he, was, he did, yeah. <laughs> He's dual threat, uh, Keenan Allen in his late age, yeah. But yeah, they had that throw, they had not the famous throw to Palmer that ended up a touchdown that was was an interception that Herbert threw and it bounced out of the DB's hands into Palmer in the end zone. But there was another Palmer throw back shoulder that I thought was crazy. Um, I don't know if I say it much on this podcast, but on the Full 10 Yards podcast, I always spout Justin Herbert's second best, second best quarterback in the league. And obviously everyone kills me for it because most of them love Joe Burrow. But the throws he made in this game make were absolutely nuts. Uh, there was even one down the sideline to Mike Williams feathered over someone's head in like double coverage, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's perfect." Um, I would add that the Chargers did have the bad luck of Mike Williams is out for the for the season, unfortunately, with an ACL injury. It feels like him in particular can never. I know people said Keen Allen was hurt last year, but him in particular, Mike Williams, feels like he can never catch a break with injuries. Um, so yeah, that does suck. But yeah, to finish forty out of forty-seven, four hundred five, three TDs, two of the two of the incompletions were bad drops. One from Josh Kelly and one from Mike Williams. So, um, yeah, it was definitely the best QB display of the the weekend for me. Even if, again, I feel like maybe his coaching staff on both sides of the ball let him down a bit at times. Yeah, absolutely. And his run game was the worst of the weekend out of anything. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, absolute disgrace. So, to, to, to pull that off, I think 40 or 47, sometimes you do see these stat lines and it was kind of like check down after check down, but some of the throws in it, the variance of difficulty was just, yeah, unbelievable. Where do the Vikings go from here? 0-3, can they still win the division? Also, we have spoke about NFC is weaker in general, which I think is definitely true. Packers have had a relatively good start. Lions have had a relatively good start. Bears are also a <laughs> disaster. What, what, what do they do? Do they trade Kirk Cousins to a certain team, maybe near in New York? Or do they kind of keep battling on because they, they feel like they can win? Because they have got the Chiefs coming up soon. And I would be gutted if the Chiefs lost that game. So in theory, their best record for me should be 1-4 and four going into the Bears. Or maybe 2-4 and four going into the 49ers game on, at home. Yeah, I mean, Panthers, Bears, and obviously Chiefs in between that. You have to beat the two teams that you <laughs> should beat in. You know I mean, you have literally no choice. But then, you know, are you going to go beat the 49ers at home? I'm just not sure, mate. Then they, then they follow that with the Packers, 
the season really, really could be over for them at the end of October, just with the way that they've got the Chiefs, 49ers and Packers in the next five weeks. So it's it's a really tricky situation, to be honest. I think if, I mean, if it, the crazy thing was to happen and they get beat by the Panthers this week or are also winless, I think then, they've, then you've got to kind of do something because it's over then, isn't it? So Yeah, there is an argument to say they could win all their games in their division and, and scrape a, a division win or a playoff berth as a seven seed. I could see that happening. But like you said, if they... If they do lose to the Chiefs and the 49ers, like you have to probably win every single division game and NFC game left. So there's not much margin for error there. Um, no, there really, there really isn't. No. And they don't play the Lions until the last three weeks of the season when they play them twice. And then they've yeah. got Packers in between that. So, it, yeah, it's so you, you've made it yourself so difficult. Yeah. Well, they go Bengals, Lions, Packers, Lions. So that's a tough four. <laughs> That's big, just big four games. Uh, however, I know in three weeks' time I will be coming on the podcast talking about freaking Kirk Cousins throwing for 400 yards against the Chiefs <laughs> in a one-point win where the ball doinks off someone's helmet and falls into TJ Hawkinson or CJ Ham's hands. But that's that's the life of a Vikings fan there. But yeah, they they, they weren't good for me. Um, I would trade him, by the way, to the Jets. You would. I think I would now, yeah. I just don't think they're going to pay him anyway, so I just feel like you may as well not cut your losses, but just get a really good draft pick for someone. I just don't yeah. think it's even cutting your losses. I think it's just look to the future. They've got their own pick. They could easily be up there for Caleb Williams if you don't have Kirk Cousins, because I don't know who the backup is, but it's not going to be someone good. So, yeah, you know um, what? I can't even remember who the backup is. Let's have a look. Might be Mullins, is it? Yeah, Nick Moore, Nick Mullins. You're not going to win many games with Nick Mullins at quarterback, mate. So <laughs> I pulled that from the dome, by the way, the Nick Mullins, <laughs> out, which, which I'm happy with that. But yeah, I think I would trade him at this point. I think if you lose to the Panthers, your value for him goes down because people think you're in panic mode. So I think I'd do it. They're not going to do it this week, though, anyway. But I mean, I just think I would do it because I think the Jets would have to give you a first-round pick. I don't know what the hell that means for Aaron Rodgers, but um, basically means they can trade a second or a first for Cousins have him play for one season. Then he leaves as a free agent. The Jets get a third round comp pick. So then he went down one or two rounds and Rogers comes back and everyone's happy. If Rogers retires, you can franchise tag cousins. So yeah, I think I would, I would, I would do that, but yeah. Um, let's change gears, go for some bad teams or performances. Talk about some good mate. Who have you got on your, uh, on your list? Uh, give me at this structure that we've done before. I don't believe that this team has ever lived in there. <laughs> I don't think you've ever picked them for certain, so I'm going to go the Cleveland Browns, who got their best win for scoreline-wise anyway, and a uh, yeah. team that they were playing for, for for a while against the Titans, 27-3. to And that was, without Nick Chubb, that was the best that that offence, I believe, could look. And that was the best that Watson has looked as well since... Since everything's happened and he's come over from Houston, he was pretty efficient. 27 of 33 to 89. Did make one of the funniest, worst plays that you've ever seen as well, to go along with that. But, um, yeah, Amari Cooper, that you always forget about now. He's kind of stuck in Cleveland. He went off for 116 yards on seven receptions. And then, yeah, I just thought they looked good on offense against the Titans team. Wasn't expecting this scoreline uh, at all, to be honest. I thought it was going to be a real, real close game, grinding out with two defenses. But, uh, you know, the offense were really good. And then flipping over to, I mean, Miles Garrett's just absolutely ridiculous, isn't he? 
So he, he's gone up another gear, would you not say, so far this season? Three and a half yeah. sacks on Sunday. Just I saw that. Have you seen that video where there's two tight ends following him in motion yeah. as he's going around? That, the times, I mean, that looks embarrassing for the times, but uh, great for him. Yeah, he feasted on a bad offensive line, didn't he? Like he's already great, but like against this lot, he just looks he looks different level. I just think it's what we said in the off season, having a better line around him gives him more space. I know he still gets doubled quite a bit, but he's the most doubled player in the NFL over the past three seasons from a from a defensive end perspective. And I just feel like that has to happen less, and it is because if you do it, Zadaria Smith and um, the guys in the middle, because they have got a couple of good guys now in the middle, doing like Shelby Harris, they just get off and. They can rush the passer as well. So, um, yeah, the defense looks good. Uh, I think I uh, don't want to just mention him because he was a chief because there's two of them. But Juan Thornhill, I thought, and uh, Grant Delpit looked good in the safety position as well. Grant Delpit had a bit of a poor start to his career, but obviously coming out of LSU was really, really good. I thought they, they both looked good from a safety perspective as well. I know it's a weird team to play because they run the ball a lot, but uh, I thought the whole defense looks pretty good. And like you said, it's definitely Watson's best performance as a Brown. Um, one thing I found funny from the Browns' perspective: Have you seen the box score and seen how many people made an attempt to rush the ball for the? I, I, I mean, I've got it in front of me. Yeah, it's ridiculous that, isn't it? That yeah, is like eight players. I think it's like eight, definitely seven or eight players have a rushing attempt in this game. Um, and it's safe to say that it didn't really work out for any of them, apart from probably just Sean Watson. Probably had almost the best display, really. So uh, they do need to figure that out. Cream Hunt's only been there three or four days, so maybe that'll change. But he didn't look great last season, but they need that. However, what do we make of the Titans? I think we both picked them, or maybe just me, to win the division. No, no, no. Um, both were on them for the division. Yeah, we both did. Week two, they came back and looked really good against a good Chargers team that do make stupid mistakes, but they got good players and a great quarterback. Week one, I think they really underperformed against the Saints. Week three, you got 13 for 25 for 104 yards from Tannehill. Derek Henry averaged 1.8 yards on the ground, which is bad. Spears, 1.5. Hopkins, three for 48, does look a bit slow, but when the quarterback's playing that bad, you are going to struggle. Like, How bad is this? Because in week two, they really came back and it was like, okay, if they play in week two, they could probably win the division nine wins. Jags maybe don't look as good as we all thought. But then you see this game, you're like, Titans are a bit of a disaster. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, one thing I would say is crazy on Tennessee line they ran 45 plays in this game that was it that is like so untitan like it's unbelievable like zero control of the game I mean like you said when you're averaging 1.8 and 1.5 yard of carry from your running backs what 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 are you going to do there so yeah the whole division itself is in a strange strange place where kind of any of them can still win it can't they? I mean, I know it's only week three, anyone can win anything, but let's be realistic. So it's, yeah, with the Jags, the way that they look, and then you've got the kind of the Colts and the Texans with the rookie QBs. But yeah, Tennessee, I mean, I can guarantee you on our preview pod, we'll have forgotten all about this, and we think that they can go go to uh, play the Bengals at the weekend and uh, <laughs> maybe eke out a close game. But um, yeah. I can almost so, guarantee you I'm picking the Bengals plus whatever they are, three, and, uh, sorry, not the Bengals, the Titans plus, plus three yeah. and a half or two, whatever it is, I can, yeah, I can guarantee it. I feel like we're, I feel like you're the Raiders, I'm the Vikings and together we're kind of titanized. <laughs> yeah. Between, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. One thing I would say though, I, I, they've got to have a plan now behind Tannehill because 
he's finished, isn't he? As a as a starting quarterback in the NFL, he's you might get one or a couple of games where he's he, he's better. Like in week two, he was better, but overall, he, he looks finished. So they've yeah. got to have that plan behind that. Obviously, they've got the two young young guys, aren't they? Willis and kind of Will Levis. But whether any of them are going to be the answer, I'm not sure. But yeah, they're going to have to get that plan together because it's it's coming to the end of that that era. Yeah, and I think the offensive line looks as bad as we all thought it was. And if I was them, if you do care about this season, I, w- I would be trying to make a trade or two or a signing or two, whether that's Lyle Collins or what, that can just be a, something on the offensive line because, yeah, the Browns are just living in, in Tannehill's lap. Um, they got the Bengals, Colts and Ravens as the next three games. They actually got pr- pretty like tough teams in general. Then they got the Falcons after, who are going to be hard out. The Steelers after that. But yeah, I'm more thinking those next three games. Bengals, Colts, who are two and one, and then Ravens, who they always play the Titans. Those games are always fun. So yeah, it's a big couple of weeks for, uh, for the Titans. Uh, let's hope all the people that have got the tickets for the London game against the Ravens aren't aren't seeing a display like this because it was a uh, it was a disaster. But yeah, great win for the Browns. Um, yeah, really good defense. Just literally, I know we said this about the Dolphins earlier. The Browns' defense by success rate is the best defense ever through three weeks. So um, they are they are playing very very well. Um, cool. On to the next one. Then we may as well stay in a uh, stay in a similar vein and go for for good. Uh, I've decided to go for the Bills. Um, had a pretty tough week in week one. Um, played well in week two, but the Raiders were terrible, and they got mentioned for for being the bad team, which may happen again later. Um, but yeah, the Bills this week beat the Commanders 37-3. Uh, Josh Allen did have a bit of a Josh Allen-y game. He had a bad interception, uh, had a couple of crazy wild throws, but got 218 yards, one TD. Looked pretty good on the ground, had a cool rushing TD, 15 yards of carry, which is nuts. Um, the run game for the whole team looked good. Um, James Cook again averaged six and a half yards of carry, uh, which is really, really impressive. Um, but the defense was kind of the main factor for me on why I wanted to pit them. Uh, they sacked Sam Howell nine times, which I think says a lot about Sam Howell, which we'll talk about, but it's still a positive for them. They forced two fumbles, one of which the, they they lost and one of which the Bills, uh, which they kept, sorry, uh, and then four interceptions as well. So for me, the defense, which I was a bit worried about coming to the season, has looked pretty good in the last two weeks, to be honest, mate. Yeah, much better. Um, interesting, I would say Buffalo, out of all the good teams in the league, have not played a good team yet. Um, in terms of, I'm still not sure where I know where the buff- who the Buffalo Bills are, sort of thing. You can't you can't take anything away from this going on the road. It was absolute defensive shellacking, weren't it? I mean, the interceptions as well. I mean, some of them were bad, uh, terrible, terrible decisions. But at the end of the day, the pressure that they put on Howell, and I mean, this is what they've been missing in the playoffs, isn't it? The last few years, just absolute pressure. So we added Von Miller in later in the season. Can can only make them better. But uh, yeah, on offense, I thought they were, they did enough to be, to get out ahead and stay ahead. Nice to see uh, Gabe Davis popped up for his, one catch but uh, touchdown but <laughs> apart from that D- Diggs was Diggs was really really good but, yeah, but again this is this is what I'd say behind that there was a, the next the next best receiver was just one or two catches that's all they had behind Diggs so I think you just got some kind of 
working out there. And I'd be interested to see the Bills in a step up of competition. That Jets loss looks like the worst loss of the season as well, by the way. <laughs> the season's going to go on so long, but it looks it looks <laughs> terrible now. I would say there is a team coming up in your bad section that might have the worst loss of the season. But um, yeah, the... The, the the Bills losing to Zach Wilson is not looking great <laughs> after uh, after three weeks. Yeah, and you're right, Stefan Diggs definitely definitely came to play. It's nice to see them connect as well because they were connected on all sorts of routes. They threw him a screen. He had a massive scramble play where he did his Patrick Mahomes impression. That was an amazing throw. Um, they had two go balls down the sideline. So yeah, Diggs looked good. Um, and one sneaky subplot to this podcast is how much you hate Gabe Davis, which I am here for because it's quite fun. <laughs> so uh, we'll see how that develops throughout the year, throughout the season with his one one reception for thirty five yards. Uh, and this game was played in awful weather as well. So yeah, it was. Yeah. We'll save the Sam Howell chat for another day because yeah, nineteen for twenty nine, hundred seventy yards, four picks. I said before, and I know we said he played okay in one of the games, but I think I mentioned it and said what was he like in college, and you agreed. He is known for taking loads of sacks. Loads of sacks. And he's taking too many. He's on pace for more sacks than David Carr in his rookie season. And David Carr got kicked out of the league, basically, because he was getting sacked all the time and got hurt and wasn't very good. So uh, they need to fix that. And I don't know if they're going to. That's my worry with Sam Howell. But we'll see what happens next week. And a shout-out to Brian Robinson as well. Got shot. (laughs) Comes back every week. And he's just really good running back. Not a great running back, but... Really good. Um, next category then. Where where are we going? Are we staying in good? Are we going to bad? Anything else? Wait, what, what do you think? Uh, well, let's go bad because I've been dying for this one until, <laughs> it, <laughs> until it was happening. Honestly, this was so shocking, but the bad has to be the Dallas Cowboys, mate. Oh, my God. I actually couldn't believe my eyes. <laughs> like, so when the Cardinals shoot out the traps, they've done that all season so far. This is only three weeks in, but Shooting out the traps, they look like you know they look they look a well coached, well drilled team early for the first few drives. The defense is flying around, but you know you kind of get like last week against the Giants, you get to halfway and kind of you make adjustments and the talent level starts to win out. Mate, this did not happen in this game, and that would <laughs> massively worry me as a Cowboys kind of fan because to lose this game in week. All, I feel like all good teams last season when the Eagles were eight and zero, they had this type of game against Washington. We just kind of got a beat down, but it was kind of like week eight, just before the bye, and it was the, the loss was coming. But this in week three, it's the Cardinals who have got hardly any talent. They've got Josh Dobbs at QB. Mate, it just really, really shocked me that the comeback just never came. The offense was just really bad all night just just the plays that they were making i felt for dak a little bit at times but it was just like all the ad was kind of tony pollard and you know cd lamb had, had a game of his life the week before and he was barely involved in this game i don't know overall it would worry me kind of as a cowboys fan that you kind of got pushed around by a team with not a lot of talent and yeah the just the fight wasn't there in the second half like i would have expected it to have been yeah, and well, emotionally maybe it had an impact, but I don't think Trayvon Diggs missing this game is enough of a reason anywhere near for this to happen. But that is something to watch throughout the season. But yeah, the Cardinals ran the ball pretty well on them. They've done that all season, actually. They've run the ball well on teams. But 
Cowboys, who I thought had solved that problem, had not solved the rush, the rush defense problem. Defense didn't look great overall, especially in the secondary. Now every corner takes a kind of jump up in the pecking order. Um, and like you said, Dak Prescott didn't play well. Finished 25 of 40. One TD, one interception. The interception in the end zone was one of the worst you'll see. Like, I don't even know who he's even throwing to. I don't know if you've seen the actual clip of it. From, yeah, I've seen it. From yeah. behind, I'm like, I don't know who you're throwing to. It's not like he's got a man draped all over him and people have come, whatever. It's like it's pretty, yeah, he's, there's some pressure in, in this sort of area-ish, but I'm watching it being like, I don't know who you've even thrown to. And it's probably Tony Pollard's best display as well in the run game. 23 carries for 122 yards and for the rest of the offense to look this bad is... Is not great. Uh, I do think that you could see that Brandon Cook's not being fully healthy or them not quite game in the offense yet has made an impact because I know he had a good day today, Michael Gallup, but I just think you need Brandon Cooks if you're going to throw it this many times to be more of a factor just because the tight end room, I just don't think you can rely on every week like they did with Ferguson this week. So, Cowboys yeah. got a tough schedule, you know, coming up. It's Got to navigate this. I mean, they've got Pats, 49ers, Chargers, Rams, then Eagles. It's uh, including a buy in that. So, yeah, it's uh, tough sledging for Dallas this week. They would have wanted it to have been 3 0 sat there with the Pats coming up and then that tough where the schedule gets tougher. You'll be uh, licking your chops when, uh, if they're like 2 and 2 next week after me saying they're going to be in the Super Bowl. <laughs> they're sat here two and two but yeah um took a lot of uh stick rightfully so uh, off season last year um to jonathan gannon but seems like he's got the team playing hard um the team seemed to love josh dobbs as well i don't think he's very good but <laughs> he's good at rushing it um but yeah it does feel like the cardinals coaching staff are having a hell of a season they're one and two people were saying when are they going to win their first game is it week 10 is it week 12 is it and it, they've literally beaten the Cowboys, one of the favourites for the Super Bowl in week three. So, um, yeah, really impressive for them. Um, I'll add to the bad and, part, and, and mention it quite quickly because we spoke about them last week and I don't want to m- m- put the Raiders in my uh, bad section every week, but I will this week. Uh, they lost to the Steelers 23-18 on Sunday Night Football. Still don't know why this game was picked for Sunday Night Football. Uh, I heard a podcast saying that Kenny Pickett played incredible and I was like, he had 16 completions for 235 yards. So the offense looked better, but definitely was not good. Um, and I did see a funny post about how much they're giving Matt Canada more responsibility now. He's in charge of Kenny Pickett's development as well as the offensive play calling. So uh, that feels like a, a kind of misjudgment. But from a Raiders perspective, they obviously lose the game. Devontae Adams is coming out saying he didn't come here to lose whether he's on his way out or not, we'll see. Josh Jacobs had a better day, but still not efficient. Jimmy G threw three picks, very Jimmy G type day. But the main issue for me was down eight and they kicked two field goals. <laughs> they kicked field goals twice and they're down eight. And I just think Josh McDaniels, one of our favorites. I'll have a look if either of us picked him for first coach fired. But yeah, I thought it was a terrible display from him. And I just think this Jimmy G, Josh McDaniels experiment should just be over already, to be honest, mate. <laughs> One of them's going to get uh, the chop. Um, he'll have to choose in Vegas who that's going to be, mate, because one or both, I think, is is going to go. The Raiders' schedule doesn't look... Uh, I mean, mate, they got that. This is maybe, I mean, without scanning the old league in my brain right now, but, I mean, this feels like for a player, the saddest situation in the league with Devontae Adams, just with how good he is. I mean, I mean, he got 172 receiving yards this week, two touchdowns. It's, 
it's just sad that he's kind of not in. He's not going to be in a game this season that really matters because they're going to have a terrible record, aren't they? So yeah, free Devonte Adams a trade somewhere would be very exciting. But um, yeah. I'd give a, I'd give a second round pick for him if I was the Chiefs and do, do an intra division trade all day long. Uh, I feel like he wants to win, so he's got to go somewhere that's worth winning. But yeah, not a good display. By the way, I did have McDaniel's as first coach fired, Ooh. and you had big, big Ron Rivera. I did have big Ron, didn't I? So yeah, well, I still, yeah. I still quite like my pick, you know, just with Eric Bieniemy lurking in the background, getting all the praise <laughs> at times. Four interceptions from Sam Howell went out though, but. Yeah, Raiders play Chargers this week as well, so it's a big game for them and their fan base. But yeah, not not a good week again this week, and yeah, things just don't seem good. I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't know the story and it's a bit sad, but it just came out as well that um, Chandler Jones, uh, apparently the Las Vegas Police Department have checked, uh, fire department have checked him into a mental health place hospital. So and he's tweeting about it live, and it just seems like the whole franchise is still a bit all over the place, which it felt like it has been for the last, like, seven yeah. years. Ever since that Amari Cooper, Derek Carr, Michael Crabtree season, just feels like things have uh, gone down the pan. But, yeah, I promise I won't put the Raiders in bad next week. Two weeks in a row. I can't do it next week. So, yeah. Um, on to you, mate. Where are we going next? Well, we'll go, we'll go good. And it's uh, a game that didn't really get a lot of uh, coverage on, on, on Red Zone, really, for kind of any UK fans to see. But I'm going to go the Lions. Um, good bounce back win over the Falcons, obviously. were sat at 2-0 and and came in with quite a bit of hype. And I felt like going over to straight to the defence, they shut down that running game. Yeah, they did. They really did. That was that was a, one of the most impressive, kind of quietly impressive uh, units over the weekend. I thought they shut down that running game. Bijan looked. They made Bijan look distinctly average, which is it's going to be difficult to do. He had kind of no flashy plays at all, and Algier was just really inefficient. And then kind of Ridder, they shut that. Obviously, he's not a big dropback passer at all, Ridder. So. You know, they just shut down that running game there completely. I thought that was really, really good. And kind of what they did to the weapons out wide as well was was good. Yeah, so shout out the defence. And then on offence, the kind of, you know, Goff was shaky again, obviously. We're not used to him throwing interceptions in the kind of the past 12 months, are you? But he threw another one. But it's just, yeah, Jamar Gibbs had his best game so far. And so did Sam Laporta look really good, by the way, as well. But they only had four receivers uh, catch a ball which is quite strange one was <laughs> Gibbs so yeah, yeah but overall that's a solid win that getting back to kind of joining the division were massive game on Thursday coming up as well yeah it's Lions Packers isn't it about I think isn't it yeah it is yeah yeah that is a big game that'll be a fun game as well I actually quite like both those offenses um yeah I don't think you kind of summed it up well didn't really want to add much else but I did want to highlight again how good Sam Laporta is. I loved him in the draft and yeah, he's generally like a top tight end at the moment. Like I don't want to go as far as saying top five because he's only played three games, but easily top 10 tight end in the league at the moment of how he's playing. Um, and just, yeah, another thing to watch out for. I thought Desmond Ridder wasn't great again. And I actually liked him in college. He missed carpets on two big plays. I am getting to the point where I'm just like, come on, Brett. Let's get Kyle Pitts for Travis Kelsey. Let's let's get the transition, keep the Hall of Fame tight end train going. We go from Tony to Travis to Kyle Pitts because 
Yeah, I think some of the throws are a bit of an issue. And Drake London, actually, even more so this week, had four targets that sailed over his head looking at the passing map. So, yeah, definitely one to watch out for. Um, one QB for me in the good section who is not sailing passes, I am actually loved him in college. I can't remember. I, think, I don't know if you actually liked him a lot less than me, but that is CJ Stroud uh, of the Texans. By far... By far the rookie of the year leader this year. Like people talk about Bijan, but it has to be CJ Stroud. No quarterback has thrown for more yards in their first three games without an interception in NFL history than than CJ. They beat the Jags 37-17. It wasn't even like a close game. Like they won 37-17. CJ Stroud finished 20 of 30, 280 yards, two TDs, no interceptions. Um, he also ran three times 14 yards. Two of those were first downs, so efficient running. And he's doing this with the, the receiving call that we all know. Tank Dell finished 545, which is nuts. But he has got his left tackle, his left guard, his center, and his right tackle all injured. So we all said all summer, like, oh, well, no no weapons really, but he's got an offensive line at least. Well, he hasn't had an offensive line for two games, and he's still coming out and throwing the ball 30 times, hardly any run game, doing really well, mate. And, yeah, I just think, A, the Texans look great. On defense, they look better than I thought. Looks like they've got probably the best rookie head coach of the lot. Will Anderson looks even better than I think I thought he was going to look. But for me, I think CJ Stroud's a story and just clearly cementing himself as as QB one from this draft class and one of the best in in the last four or five years after three games, obviously. Yeah, I mean after three games, you couldn't have. I, I never envisioned like you said. So like, I was a little bit lower on him than you, but I couldn't have envisioned. Like either of them, either of the three QBs looking this good through the air. And it, yeah, it just looks amazing, to be honest. He was so efficient on third down as well. And, you know, his supporting cast is kind of is what it is. I mean, you've got, I think Tank Dell's obviously a rookie. You've got kind of Robert Woods is still there knocking around. Nico Collins was kind of less this week. And, you know, the run game's not great. Singletary and Pierce. But do you know what? The coaching, they're putting it together. <laughs> You know what? What they fully deserve to win this game. I think everyone on my timeline, obviously, you know, seventeen nil Texans at half time. Everyone was like, "Oh, you know, the Jags will come back." Trevor, the kind of the weapons got Calvin Ridley. Do you know what, mate? This was a completely deserved win. The fact that they pushed away as well in the fourth quarter is kind of un-Texans like from the last five years. So you can see kind of what the coaching staff want to do you're playing hard for all four quarters aren't you but uh yeah i mean why well, mate that division is so open for someone to go out and win it and i was thinking as what there i think we were two of the lower people on the jags in the entire kind of <laughs> like uh, any twitter timeline anything that i see we were as low as anybody i saw on them and i'm not sure that we're going to be that far away in the end in in, in jacksonville I mean, Peter King, if anyone follows his blog or podcast, he had a number one seed in the AFC. So it's, yeah. Peter, put put the whiskey down, Peter. Come on, after work. Oh, yeah. We don't need that. Uh, well, the defence, this made me worry about my Chiefs before, and I was like, oh, my God. Texas scored 37 points, and our, our offence was struggling. But um, I think, yeah, the Jags' offence has been an issue. Offensive line's been an issue. And then the defence gets killed like this. Um but yeah, just incredible from Stroud. Wanted to end on some Stroud's stats. So on third and fourth down, he's only behind Mahomes in in most categories. 
in terms of the analytics. But if you look at the actual counting stats, on third and fourth down, he's had 34 completions, which is first in the NFL. He's had 420 yards, which is first in the NFL. Three touchdowns, which is first in the NFL, and 89% completion rate, which is first in the NFL. So in the big moments, with no offensive line healthy, he's getting it done. So yeah, shout out to him. Um, Stick in the same division then, last good that I, that I wanted to mention um, was the Colts' defense, to be honest. I think they've been great all year. Looked really good against the Texans that we just spoke about. Um, this week, they beat the Ravens 22-19. Bit of a crazy game. The field goal kicks like kicker, Matt Gay, kicks like five 50-yard field goals, which is absolutely nuts. There's probably one of the weirdest fumbles I've ever seen from Lamar Jackson, like tuck rule in the grasp sort of thing when he double pumped and, and, and got and, and got it uh, fumbled. But they win the game. I think people say Minshew played well. I don't really agree with that. The off the run game was pretty good. But for me, it's more the defense, mate. It's held another good team quite a lot on third downs, like 6 of 16. It's hard to play Lamar for, for overtime because of how much he moves around and they, they kind of limit him as well as they could. Uh, sacked him four times, made them punt seven times. Um, forced two fumbles. I just think the Colts' defense looks a lot better than I gave it credit for. Yeah, I would agree with you that, especially because this was the first game this season where kind of Lamar had more designed runs, which when they're going for the Ravens, that makes them so much harder to defend, especially if they've got kind of someone like Zay Flowers on the outside as well, where you kind of not, you're not sure what's going to happen with what's coming each time. So, yeah. Colts, I mean, I can't believe they're sat here with a winning record, to be honest. The defence looks good and they're going to be a tough out in that division. I'm, I'm hoping Richardson can come back soon and can be healthy because I, I've seen enough of kind of Gardner Minshew to know that this is going to go wrong at some point. Fair play to him, you know, for being a solid NFL backup and being able to come in and go on the road and get a win. But I think we all know how it's going to end in the end for someone like Minshew, but... Yeah, let's hope we can get Richardson back as uh, soon as possible. That'd be great, great for the team. Yeah, they play the Rams this week, so we'll see if uh, if he's back because that could be quite a fun offensive game. Uh, and the Texans, by the way, going back to that division, that game as well, they play the Steelers. So yeah. this is the game for CJ Stroud. If he plays well against this defense, then things look even better. So yeah, that's the the AFC South. So we talk about the AFC a lot on the AFC South a lot on this podcast, but uh, yeah, it's all fun. Um, let's go to surprising. And I know what the two sections are. So let's go to your surprise first, because I think this is a view shared by many mate on Twitter that I've read this week. Yeah. I mean, it's a miracle that these haven't made it into the bad section, to be honest with you, but it's a surprise to me that Zach Wilson still has a job because yeah. it was absolutely terrible. I can't believe that I, I follow so many Jets fans because they've been like a popular team with me over the years. And they were saying, you know, a couple of weeks ago, how much he's learned from Aaron Rodgers and this and that. And they're, mate, he ain't learning a damn thing. It's just not good enough to be a starter in the NFL, is he? And it's a shame for the guy, you know, you loved him out of college. and yeah. But, mate, he's just not good enough for the... He can't read kind of any decision-making is poor. He can't read kind of anything that's happening around him. It's kind of so reactionary. And, yeah, it's a shame for him. And it's a it's a shame for the Jets that kind of the, the season is kind of on the brink, should you say, because you can tell also that the team doesn't believe around him because they've been here before. 
So yeah, it's a it's a difficult situation for him, but I feel like the Jets have got to do something at quarterback now, to be honest. Yeah, we can tell that no one really there believes in him as much as even if they say because they're not throwing the ball down the field. Right. The amount of plays they're giving him down the field, well, I'm not I'm not blaming them for not doing it, but there's just nothing there. They're not they're not even letting him do that. So they've just got no trust in him. He finishes two of fourteen on third down. Which is awful. By the way, Matt Jones is also ter- also terrible in this game, but Zach Wilson is like the creme de la creme for bad quarterback play and finished two of fourteen. Uh, he three sacks as well. The offensive line looks pretty bad for the Jets. The two positions that we said like, okay, Rogers is old. Have they got a backup quarterback? No. Okay, Rogers is old. Is the offensive line good enough? We said no. I know you you became a bit of a believer towards the end, but even you were mentioning the the, the tackles and. Yeah, it just feels like they've kind of left two big holes and it hasn't worked out. And I, I agree. As much as I loved him in college, I, you just can't stick with him now. I think it's time to time to move on. And I think Garrett Wilson's reactions to him on the sideline, I think, just tells a thousand words, doesn't it? As we're talking, have you seen Adam Schefter has tweeted that they've signed a QB? Uh, they signed big Trevor Simeon. Big Trevor Simeon. Wow. Did you see the uh, story about Matt Ryan and Wentz uh, offering to come play for the Jets, which I found funny. So like, even like washed up bad quarterbacks are like being like, well, this guy's terrible. So we could be, <laughs> we could be an improvement. It would be quite funny to see Matt Ryan come out of retirement and play for the Jets. But um, I mean, I mean, could it be kind of any worse? I'm, I'm sure it would be better. Sure. Uh, even I'm, I'm starting to think even Carson Wentz might be better than a better situation. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's when you're uh, truly in trouble then, when you start yeah. talking about Carson Wentz being a uh, a quarterback upgrade, especially off the field, <laughs> in terms of how much they're uh, doing. And they play the Chiefs this week, uh, Sunday Night Football. That, that is a disgrace, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, by the way, we haven't spoken about the defence this week, but I spoke about them last week. That's another tough defence for Zach Wilson, because there's no way Trevor Simmons is going to play this week. No, or, or Tim Boyle, because that's the backup, by the way, Tim Boyle. It just feels like maybe he'll get drops in the game, worst case. But yeah, he's going to start the game. And it feels like Spags, who's known for blitzing, crazy coverages. Chris Jones is playing well. George Carter's is like top five uh, pressure rate from the edge. And yeah, it just feels like this is probably the worst week. And when the other team can actually score points, unlike the Patriots. Uh, yeah, I don't think this is going to be a good week for him. I actually looked... We can, this is going to make the podcast long, but I actually looked yesterday at flying to this game. I spent about three hours last night being like, oh, it might be cheaper to fly to New York than it is to Germany now. And I couldn't quite sort it with work, but there was tickets for $50 for this game to watch the uh, Chiefs. I th- on, on, on Sunday morning, mate, those $50 tickets will be $20 tickets. I'm <laughs> sure of it on Stubble. Yeah, it's not, not looking good. And I know this is about the Jets, but Matt Jones, by the way, and that offense looked terrible as well. And he punched someone in the nuts. It's so stopped, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, and he's going to get no uh, repercussion, which people get like fined just for for a tackle in the NFL. So this game was an overall disaster, but we I, we both picked the Patriots because we knew what was coming. So, uh, yeah, I feel bad for, for Jets fans. But hopefully Zach Wilson is even worse this week when he plays my team. Um Speaking of my team, my surprise was that um, my wife now actually likes the NFL because all she's talked to me about is Taylor Swift, <laughs> Travis Kelsey being the power couple of the NFL. Uh, I could have put this game in the bad as well, 
because but we put the Bears in the bad every week, and the Chiefs win forty-one ten. But it feels like coming out of it, the story is Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift being this huge couple. But it was a fun game. Mahomes played one drive in the second half and then rested, and they win by thirty-one points. Justin Fields looks done, hundred yards. They tried to run him more. That didn't really work. Couple of picks, couple of fumbles for the Bears. Absolute disaster for the Bears. But my surprise, mate, is that my wife loves the NFL now and she loves the Chiefs and she wants uh, you to make her a Travis Kelsey hoodie. Uh, <laughs> all, all because of Taylor Swift. Mate, all absolutely crazy when you kind of just do a Twitter search then for <laughs> Travis Kelsey. And then there's a lot of accounts coming up that you're not used to seeing talking about Travis Kelsey. It's uh, yeah, Taylor Swift have some crazy fans if you're kind of a bit like me and you was kind of unawares of that. So it was uh, yeah, interesting. I did, you know what I did love when they were walking out together at the end, and he was kind of staring at someone saying, "Don't you dare say anything in front of Taylor Swift to make me look like a knob." Do you know, do you know who that was? That was Walter Payton's son. Was that well? Was it really? Yeah, it was. Yeah, we tried to note it after. But yeah, that was him. You could almost tell as well. He was like, "Why are you recording me right now?" He yeah, so absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Uh, it was fun. I'm glad that Patrick Mahomes got him his touchdown. It felt like that whole drive coming out of half time when they were winning by 40 points was 35 points was just to get Travis Kelsey a touchdown. But yeah, it's a crazy story, and you know for a fact. She's going to be at the game on Sunday, Sunday Night Football in New York as well, by the way. That is just, she lives in New York. That's almost a guarantee, isn't it, that that's going to be a massive storyline for Sunday's game as well, which I'm kind of here for, but maybe it'll get old eventually to me. But I did find it fun. I think that these two are the perfect games to introduce (laughs) that storyline because Chiefs (laughs) are always going to beat the Bears and they're always going to beat the Jets. So when, (laughs) when the serious football comes back, she may not be there. So that was probably, maybe that'll work out for the best. Yeah, that that is true. Um, but yeah, you're all right. There's some crazy, uh, crazy Swifty fans. But it's such a random couple. But uh, as someone who loves Travis Kelsey, I'm uh, I'm here for it. And I did like her swearing and smashing the glass in the booth and saying "Let's effing go" and all this stuff. I thought that was quite. I cool. love that when it was like 41 to nothing as well. And um, Donna Kelsey's stood there saying, "Quieten down and get this game's over." Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Just a yeah. bit of football. Travis scores touchdowns every week. This is uh, this is nothing <laughs> new. Um, any final words on on the Bears before we do the last two games on on the speed round? Obviously, yeah, this was probably their worst game that Justin Fields or they've played, and against a tough defense that is the this is just not the defense you want to play if you're in if you're not good at reading defenses and you're not good in the pocket. Like the quarterbacks that do well against the Chiefs are quarterbacks that are really good at breaking down defenses and kind of pick the holes, but Justin Fields isn't that. And I feel like the whole team looked like a bit of a disaster, to be honest, mate. Yeah, it did. And I did see a tweet, actually, what I hadn't thought about before, because we spoke about DJ Moore being kind of misused last week while he was saying it himself. And um, But it took till there was 41-0 down in the third week and they've not won a game yet to throw a slant to DJ Moore and that turned out to be a touchdown. So perhaps they could do that a little more. <laughs> the offense might get five percent better, and they may get down the field a few more times. But uh, they look awful. Uh, from they had a crazy week last week, obviously with God knows what was going on internally. They look awful on the field, and they've got the Broncos this week. I, I have no idea who's going to win that game. I can't wait to pick it at the end of the week because I just feel. <laughs> <laughs> when I was at school, everyone used to say, "If you type Google into Google." 
<laughs> the internet will explode. And now I feel like the Bears and Broncos is going to make football explode. All I can say is that the, the line is more than three. Line is more than three, which That's is absolutely crazy to me. Which is uh, is nuts. Um, cool. Finishing on the speed round, then there's two games we haven't spoken about. Um, so Seahawks beat the Panthers 37-27. Andy Dalton looked pretty good. Um, felt like Kenneth Walker and, and the Seahawks offense also looked good, but their defense really was pretty poor again. Uh, any final comments on on this one? Yeah, I mean, Andy Dalton, I, I don't need to see him drop back 58 times, but he, he gives you <laughs> a better chance to win a game of football than, than Bryce Young does at the moment just because of the experience. And obviously he got Thielen involved a lot, didn't he? I'm not sure about chucking Bryce Young straight back in, to be honest with you. This team looks uh, really bad. Yeah, and that is the only positive if you are a Bears fan, which I know is just probably is this probably isn't even a positive at this point, but for me who's someone who loves to draft, this feels like a positive. They've got their own pick and the Panthers pick. Yeah, you have to see that as a massive, massive plus, don't you, for the Bears. Yeah. I know it's I know it's things are really, really the worst they've ever been, maybe, but you have to look at that uh, you have to look at the big picture. You could have two two picks in the top three. Yeah, yeah, you could. And this funny thing, Cardinals, I know they won a game, but they're still not gonna have a good record. Cardinals have theirs in the Texans pick and CJ Stroud's playing well, but We'll see how bad the record is, but in the top five to ten, we could be seeing those two teams have four of those picks, which could be uh, could be quite fun. Um, the other game, which does lead us on to talk about Thursday as well, is the Packers win eighteen to seventeen to go to two and one against the Saints. Biggest story from this game is Derek Carr leaves the game injured with an AC joint sprain, might play in week four, might not. Jameis Winston comes in, plays okay, very similar to Carr really, but felt like the Saints kind of lost this one. Packers get a nice win. Uh, Jordan Love does throw 22 of 44, which I thought was a little bit all over the place. They desperately need Aaron Jones back because AJ Dillon is a disaster. Um, but they had loads of injuries and they managed to win a, a game against a team that started the season pretty well. So it is a good win for the Packers. But that leads us on to Thursday night, which obviously we record Friday. So we're not going to have a chance to talk about this on Friday. So we have the Lions going to the Packers. Um, pretty big game, like you said earlier, mate, in terms of the the division as a whole. Um, I believe they're both two and one, aren't they? Yeah, yeah they're both two yeah. and one. So whoever wins this is going to be leading the division very early on. Packers were like third favorite, uh, second favorites in the bet. And on a third favorites in the bet, Lions were pretty heavy favorites. The line is Lions are favored on the road by one and a half. Yeah. But what are your general thoughts on the game and uh, who are you picking? My general thoughts on the game are Wolf walks up and down and makes some great throws at some point and then some obviously really bad decisions but you know he doesn't have the NFL kind of first team snaps behind him does he that I just think the Lions overall look an all-round better team I thought New to be honest I thought New Orleans threw the game away last Sunday with the absolutely terrible second half performance so yeah you you give me the Lions in this game uh, I'm quite confident with 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 that spread I just think they're all-round a better team, to be honest, and really impressed by the defense the weekend. That you get Aiden Hutchinson coming past, coming after Jordan Love should be interesting. By the way, Brian Branch looks absolutely awesome as well for the, for the Lions, yeah. the rookie safety. So yeah, yeah, give me the Lions. Yeah. I think this could be a good game, though. This is a great Thursday night game. Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, I had the Lions, uh, the Packers minus one and a half this week, and they win by one and screw me. 
So I'm going to have the Packers plus one and a half this week and see if uh, mixing it up. Um, I don't know. Maybe your Dan Campbell hatred has passed on to me in the form of picking against the Lions. But yeah, I don't know. Have I been Jordan Love poison-pilled? I'm not sure. I do need... Maybe I we say no changes to the picks, I guess, but I need Aaron Jones. I do need Jair Alexander. They both missed this week. I need those two players because I can't begin with AJ Dillon anymore as the as the primary running back. But yeah, I just think it's obviously in Green Bay. The offense looks pretty good. Uh, Batiara will obviously play because it's a home game, so that'll help against Agent Hutchinson because um, he doesn't play. It looks like on on turf and Green Bay play on grass. But yeah, give me the Packers. Um, I'm one behind you, so I thought, why not start the week off with a difference and and get into it? The uh, under-over is 44.5. Difficult with these two teams. Would you be going over or, or under? Because I know this week's game for the Lions did actually fly under, which people were surprised about. Yeah, I'd be tempted to go under, to be honest with you. Packers have been in some kind of low-scoring games so far. So, yeah, I would, I'd probably edge under if I was going for that. Nice. Cool. And that is our, our week three review and uh, mini Thursday night football preview. Um, we'll be back on Friday to record. We'll talk about how Thursday night goes, see who wins our, our, our spread pick uh, and then pick all the games for the weekend against the spread as well. Um, I haven't looked overall, actually, uh, at week four, but there is a couple of tasty ones, um, namely Dolphins and Bills, mate, which I feel like We'll be carving some more time to talk about because that feels like a big game. You've got Browns and Ravens at the same time. They haven't really spread those out very well. Um, and the late slate, again, is pretty bad. <laughs> Chargers, Raiders, 49ers, Cards, Cowboys, Pats, Chiefs, Jets, Giants, Seahawks is the big game. So it does feel like we Sunday 6pm is the saviour again for this week. Yeah, I think we've been treated so far to the 6pms. It's, uh, yeah, some good divisional games coming up this week. Bill's Dolphins is, uh, yeah, great game, in it? Great game yeah. paper there. And we get the first London game, Jags and Falcons this week. So we all get to watch football a little bit early on Sunday, which will which will be nice. Um go follow us over on on Twitter slash X at, at go for two pod. Uh two being the number two. Follow Patrick at Mugs NFL to order all your gear. Um we're getting into uh to winter here, so you're gonna be needing your NFL hoodies to uh, to keep you warm or to wear to the NFL London game. So Make sure you reach out to him and we'll be back on Friday. Enjoy the rest of your week, guys, and we will speak to you soon.